You are listening to Proof Text, a Glossa House podcast exploring scripture with Dr. T. Michael W. Halcombe and Dr. Frederick J. Long. Welcome and enjoy. Hello, I'm Professor Fred Long. I'd like to welcome you to Greek Matters. In this installment, we're going to be looking at conditional sentences. Now, conditional sentences are those that involve an if clause and then a then clause. The if clause is traditionally called the supposition, or in Greek terms, the protasis. The then clause is called the apodosis, or the conclusion. Now, conditional sentences implicitly involve, and really explicitly involve, a move from cause to effect. The if part, the supposition, is the cause or basis for the conclusion that follows. So, I want to look at Galatians 1, 8 through 10. In these three verses, we have three different conditional sentences, and each one of them is unique, is different in classification, and yet they communicate a lot of information about the situation, about what Paul is trying to communicate to the Galatians about himself, about the nature of the gospel, and his relationship to the gospel for the sake of the Galatians. Now here I have the Greek text of, of Galatians 1, 8-10, and I'm inside of uh, Logos Bible software, and I have sympathetic highlighting on. So when I highlight a text uh, in one panel, you can see it in the corresponding other panel. So even if you, your Greek is a little bit rusty, you can, you can still follow in what I'm saying here. So I want to start in verse 8, where Paul says, But even if we, or a messenger from heaven, should preach the gospel to you contrary to that which we preached to you, let that person be anathema. He is to be accursed. So here's the main sentence. It's a command form. Let him or her or that entity be accursed. That's the main clause. Everything else is a subordinate clause. And we can see that it begins with an aeon. Now, aeon is a conjunction and it starts a subordinate clause. So here is the subordinate clause, it's the if clause. If we or an angel from heaven should preach or would preach the gospel to you. So that's the subordinate clause there. And then you have uh, contrary to that which we evangelize to you. This is actually another subordinate clause within the first subordinate clause. And this is what Greek likes to do. It can pile up subordinate clauses. What kind of conditional clause has Paul constructed as he's communicating to the Galatians? Well, here we need to understand the classification of conditional sentences. And I'm going to take you to my Koine Greek grammar. And here is chapter 26. It's the last one of the last chapters in the grammar. And we look specifically at types of Greek conditional clauses and their classification. Now, I follow the classification system set out by Herbert Smythe. In New Testament studies, it's common right now to classify conditional sentences by classes. Now, I think this is unfortunate because it obscures the semantics of the particular instances that we often see in conditional sentences. So this class system is what you might have learned when learning Greek. You have first, second, third class, very rarely do you have a fourth class? But the Smythe's classification system is better. 
it is what I would call and what he would call functional temporal classification. Now Herbert Smyth's grammar is a classical Greek grammar and it's, it's very helpful. So what I've done here is then I have some charts inside of my textbook that correlate the two systems to each other. But I want to take you to page 523 where I describe these by name and then construction. So in Galatians we have an aeon with the subjunctive. So this is the prodesis, this is the supposition. So if we are an angel from heaven should preach to you the gospel. So aeon with the subjunctive, the main clause, the conclusion is an imperative form. Let him be accursed. Now that makes the identification a little bit tricky, but I do have a discussion of this later on. We're really looking at two possibilities here. You can see that aeon with the subjunctive only occurs in the supposition in two conditions, a future more vivid or a present general condition. The more vivid future condition is the default future condition, and it describes some future event. It's rather standard in the New Testament. The present general, its particular semantics are that it it's relating a generalized truth, something that we can should do, think about, something that is generally true. It's a general truth. Now, I think that we're looking at a present general condition here. Even though we have an imperative form, let that person be accursed, that imperative is the equivalent of a present tense. So this is a present general condition. Now, what, what that means is that Paul is here speaking to the Galatians about a generalized truth. If ever this should happen, this is what needs to happen. In other words, if ever the Gospels preach differently, let that person be accursed. It's a generalized truth that Paul is presenting to them. This is what they should be thinking in their mind. Okay, well, as we go to verse 9, we come across another conditional sentence. Now, Paul basically is going to be repeating himself, at least it looks like it. You know, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. In English, it looks like it's almost the same. It's just changed some of the reference. So you have two conditions, and yet, in the Greek, they're different. The constructions are different. Now, just how important is Paul's repetition here? Before I look at the type of condition, I just want to point out something to you that the beginning of verse 9 involves a meta-comment. This is a mega-meta-comment as well because it involves two, two verbs of speaking. A meta-comment is when an author becomes explicit about what he's communicating. So Paul here is drawing attention explicitly to the communicative process. And when, when authors do that, they're they're drawing special attention to what's being said. So Paul doesn't need to say this. This is extra information. But he says it. And he draws, by so doing, extra attention to what follows. So as I we have spoken, and as I am now saying again. So this is an emphatic construction that's pointing towards the second condition. Well, let's look at the semantics. The conclusion is the same. Let him be accursed. Well, if we take that as a, t as a present 
time reference, then that helps us with understanding what kind of condition it is. The supposition uses the conjunction E, E, which is used in different kinds of conditions. So it's E with the present tense followed by an imperative. So let's go back to my chart here and see if we can identify what kind of condition we have. Well, we have to do more thinking. You can see that E is used in many different types of conditions. But we have to look for E with the present tense. And as soon as we see that, we recognize that really there's only one possibility. We're looking at a present simple condition with the imperative form, let him be accursed, equivalent to a present indicative. Now this is also very significant. Even though this present simple is kind of the default present tense condition, what it, what it communicates is that Paul is moving from a generalized condition to a present condition of particular circumstance. So he's given a, an abstract kind of idea. He's spoken a generalized truth. If anyone ever speaks contrary to what we've preached before, let him be cursed. That's a generalized truth. That's a generalized kind of imperative that he's giving them. Now, he changes the semantics of the condition, and this change indicates a specific situation is in mind. So there's intentionality here in the choice of condition. Paul's moving from generalized truth to now, in verse 9, a particular circumstance that he has in mind. That's really important to see that Paul is giving them here a more concrete, specific condition that begins particularly to address the circumstance that the Galatians are in. Well, verse 10 contains another condition. Paul here switches gear, gears a bit to begin addressing his relationship to the gospel and a perceived misconception of who he is in relation to the gospel. So verse 10 seems to really switch gears to talk about himself. Am I persuaded by people or do I persuade God? Or am I seeking to please people? So Paul asks these questions at the beginning of verse 10, and this helps us understand that he's trying to do some damage control with regard to the Galatians. But then look at the condition at the second part of verse 10. Here we have the E again, setting up the condition. That's the supposition. If still I were pleasing people, that's the supposition of the process, then I would not be a servant of Christ. Well, what kind of condition is this? We have to also notice the particle on. This is a particular conditional particle that helps us identify the kind of condition. So you have E with the imperfect tense, eriskon, and then we have the particle on working with the imperfect tense of imi. So let's remember that as we go to our chart. So we have e again, and there's lots of choices with e. But it's not just e, it's e with the imperfect tense. And that really limits us down to these options. So which of these is going to be the condition? Well, here's where we need to look at the conclusion. And the conclusion is imperfect with on. 
Now, there is the possibility that it's this one down here as well. So it's a past tense with on or the imperfect with on. Well, the imperfect tense is a past tense, so that's why we need to consider this. So we're either looking at a present contrary to fact, F, or H, a past contrary to fact. And it's one of those two. It's a contrary to fact condition. Now this is very significant because Paul, in the construction of this condition, is marking that what he's supposing here is not true. And of the two choices, a present or a past contrary fact condition, it's my evaluation that we're looking at a present contrary to fact. So it's translated in such a way to indicate contrary to factness. If I were still pleasing people, which I'm not, that's what the construction marks, I'm not doing that. If this were true, which it isn't, then I would not be a servant of Christ, which again is not true. So Paul is, in using this construction, making a very forceful point. I'm not pleasing people, so therefore I still am a servant of Christ. Now this role that Paul is fulfilling, servant of Christ, is very notable in the Greek text. It's put into a forward position before the verb. And not only that, the genitive case, Christu, is placed before what it modifies. So there's even more stress on Christ's servant, the, the Christness of Paul's servanthood, the fact that he does belong to Christ. Well, I just wanted to look at these three different conditional sentences and try to understand the semantics involved based on the constructions. And they begin to tell a story, a story of Paul's presenting a general truth to them if this ever happens, this is what needs to happen. Verse 8. Verse 9, if this is happening now, which it seems to be, this is what needs to happen. And then verse 10, if I were trying to please people, contrary to fact, in fact I'm not, then I would not be a servant of Christ, which in fact I am. So paying attention to conditional clauses and thinking through the logic is, is a helpful thing. So whenever you see an if clause, stop, look at it, try to understand what kind of condition it is. Interested in growing your ancient language skills but not sure where to start? Glossa House can help. From illustrated readers and short stories to lexicons and grammars, Glossa House offers a variety of resources for beginning, intermediate, and experienced ancient language learners. Head to glossahouse.com today. Glossa House, language resources for the global community.